Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Matt gives to Lyles. Catch and shoot three. Got it! Trey Lyles! Cold-blooded rookie from Kentucky from the right side. Surprise, I lied, I'm here. It's the June 16th edition of Locked on Jazz. Debbie Downer on the NBA Draft. A minor discussion of why the Jazz actually might not have as much cap space as you think. Talk around what else the NBA game six tonight and prepare you for that plus a few other little notes around the league. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? Uh, I was planning to not be here today because uh, I was going to be at my daughter's golf tournament. But uh, with Deontay Davis coming into town, uh, I've decided that uh, I wanted to go see that. So I'm missing my daughter's golf tournament today. She's had me around enough. Uh, and hopefully there'll be plenty more. So, And my wife's perfectly good at handling it. It's not a big deal. Not like I deserve a medal or anything like that. But I'm going to go. Uh, make sure I can go watch Deontay Davis, so it gave me a chance to do Locked on Jazz. Can I share with you super exciting news? The Locked on Podcast Network is developing and have solidified Locked on Celtics, Locked on Bulls. We think we're close on Locked on Nuggets and Warriors. Locked on Pelicans and Locked on Magic are all done. The hope is to have all 30 NBA teams with a model Similar to Locked On Jazz, couldn't be possible uh, without the work you guys have done to support this, uh, make it what it is. Uh, really, guys like Devin Cash have been the first to advertise on it uh, in his real estate company. So thank you uh, very much to everyone uh, involved who's uh, been supportive and and helped this grow. So I, I, I cannot thank you enough um, for that. It's really cool. Really, really exciting. Locked on golf also exists. Locked on NBA as uh, Mike Schmidt's two-part interview about the draft. I'm going to be a total Debbie Downer on the NBA draft today, kind of as a point of a show, not really entirely how I feel on it. Um, but I wanted to uh, – it's kind of where I am a little bit in the process, kind of often am at this point. And uh, so anyway, uh, just wanted to, to get that out. It's a big thank you to you guys. Really, I couldn't do it um, – uh, you know, really couldn't simply without your guys' amazing support, none of these things would have happened. So that's that's the cool thing about it. So anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, 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 thank you. Let us pin across the world to start it off today. We go to Emmett Golden Marks, who is a jazz fan in Boston. And boy, is the Boston Globe on fire today. Wow. Boston Globe four-page editorial about the uh, A-15 rifle and her tweeting out the name of every single person killed by an assault weapon since the assault button ban, weapon uh, ban was lifted. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, anyway, Emmett Golden Marks. 
Uh, if my name sounds familiar, that's because you read my twin brother's Jesse's email when the Jazz played the Pistons. It did. He's the guy getting the doctorate degree in uh, Michigan. Uh, maybe we'll be uh, f- first pair of brothers to be pinned. Like him, I'm an astronomy PhD student, but at Boston University. Wow. Like, what did you guys do at dinner when you were kids? Like, little, like, dinner outside every night? Like, who ends up with two astronomy PhD students? Wow, what a family. Uh, my uh, jazz story is a bit different. As a kid, I was a casual NBA fan, pretty much splitting time between a variety of teams who were on TV in upstate New York. My jazz moment really became when the freshman at Brown University, my brother and I watched the Jazz Lakers playoff series. And though the jazz lost, I fell in love with that team. A couple of years later, I found your podcast, uh, which have been ever hooked since. I'm going to my first jazz game. This was written in February. I'm still behind on some of them and just grabbing old ones. On Monday, and, uh, and super so ironically, I work in an office here with another jazz fan who grew up in Utah. I just want to thank you for the awesome podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. That is Emmett Goldenbarks, and he says, in peace. And that was written on February 24th, and that is still apropos, maybe more so uh, today. So thank you very much to Eben Goldenbarks. All right, let us do the Locked on Jazz tip-off story of the day. Debbie Downer. If you text me, that's my phone thing. I am not. I, I, I vow to not be a negative Nelly. However, I got to tell you, right now, where I stand on the 12th pick, I haven't found anyone I love. Now, I watched Deontay Davis last night, and I'm closer to falling in love with him than any player I have uh, so far. But the way this draft is playing out right now uh, is that there's eight players that are set, and then we just don't know what's going to happen with picks 9, 10, and 11 uh, right now. Chad Ford did the late last mock draft, and this was probably the most encouraging scenario for the Jazz. Uh, but it's not. Toronto's at 9. They don't have a dire need. Milwaukee is at 10. I wouldn't say... With their roster, they have a guaranteed need. And Orlando's at 11. I don't think they have uh, one either. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh, situation where you're just going to have to figure out who everybody likes. Uh, Chad did a nice job, and I'm going to try to hook up with him next week, about Toronto, that he basically, they need power forward and shooting, uh, and that and he feels that they may go to Henry Ellison. But let's let, let's walk through these guys here for a second and why. So Henry Ellison is 7 feet, 242, who supposedly is a stretch for, as Mike Schmitz points out, he's got some, I'm, I'm being totally negative on everybody, by the way. And let's be clear about something here. I don't necessarily think these are the overriding features on everyone, but it's part of the reason why I'm just not totally in love with this pick right now. Um and I haven't watched a ton of Ellison. I need to watch more. But one thing on Ellis is, is um, and and let's realize that if these guys didn't have these flaws, then they'd either be the greatest draft ever or these guys would all go six. But frankly, I didn't think Trey Lyles had some of these flaws. His lack of athleticism. Miles Turner had a body issue. So at the same point last year, I probably could have been equally negative Nelly uh, and wouldn't have played out. So Ellison's nice because he's 19 years old and he's a legit seven feet. He's supposed to be the stretch four. He shot 29% from three last year. Like that, you know, as one scout said to me, I really like Ellison except for the fact the ball doesn't go in the hoop. Uh, well, that, that's a pretty big deal. 
Now, you try to dig into him a little bit and try to figure it out whether or not he's there. And here's what gets interesting from the Jazz stand. But see, as much as I'm trying to be negative, it's hard for me to really do do be negative. If, if you look at the first eight are all going, and now you're at 9, 10, 11, I think it's unlikely that may, maybe maybe this is going to be how it works. But right now it seems to me unlikely that you're going to end up with Pirtle, Allison, and Davis going in that order. Now, maybe, maybe you are. And if you like Allison at all, then you're getting a big that's actually not terrible, you know, that has a chance because uh, there's different little feelings on why you might like Allison versus why – and Pirtle's pretty solid um, along the way. And and there's a, there's a level to Allison where – you know, if you just kind of dig into him a little bit and, and give him not be so negative, uh, he, he's got some aspects of him that you like. But the, the concern on Ellison, he shot 33% on jump shots. He shot 34% on catch-and-shoot guarded. He shot 36% unguarded catch-and-shoot. All right, so he's supposedly a stretch four, and the ball doesn't go. I'm just being negative right now, but it's worth kind of walking through. All right, so Jakob Pertl, uh I think it's unlikely that Jakob Pertl gets to 12. And he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, frankly. He's kind of is who he is. He may be a backup center, not a starting center. Um, but he's got some passing. He moves fairly well. He can defend in some interesting fashions. Uh, maybe maybe he's, he's able to get there. De- Deontay Davis looks to me like a young Derek Favors. Uh, and, and that's exciting to me. He's got an incredible body. He moves beautifully all around the perimeter. He looks like he can defend. He protects the rim. He's a multiple-action guy. I didn't think Ellison, a little bit I've watched him, as a multiple-action guy. That's an incredibly important aspect in, in bigs, and that's what Cantor can't do, what Gobert can do, what Favors can do, is they can jump out on the pick-and-roll, get back to the rebound, alter a shot, still come up and get a shot and a rebound. Those are... Those are really special uh, skills to have to be the multiple action guy. And I think that Davis is a multiple action guy. Okay, but I've yet to see Davis take a shot. I've yet, other than a little jump hook in the lane, I've yet to see him dribble. I've yet to see him pass. Uh, He's 19 years old. Maybe he doesn't do those things yet. Uh, but I want a big who can pass the basketball. Like, I think you've got to be able uh, to move the basketball, right? That's where we are in the game. And so, all right, well, then I'm not entirely in love. I mean, according to Synergy, Davis took 13 jump shots all year, eight catch and shoots. He just didn't do it. He took five shots outside 17 feet. He it, it, it just, that's not what he does. So, I mean, that's how limited his offensive game is. Now, maybe in his workout today, we'll find out something else. All right, so you've got Pirtle, Davis, Ellison. Your next guy is Scott Labossier, and there's huge question marks about whether he's got a love for the game and a zest and a work ethic. He's got unbelievable skills, and he probably can shoot um, and uh, and stretch it a little bit. And he's got, you know, God gave him a gift with that body, and you just – it's it's hard not to see that and think that you know what I I love it, but there is a real question of why didn't he play more? Why didn't he do more? Does he have the the 
the zest and the fire. Mike Schmitz didn't necessarily think that was a problem, but that's that's a big question mark on him from a lot of people. He wasn't good on the pick and roll as the roll guy last year. Uh, he shot 41%. He was well below average as a pick and roll guy last year. And on catch and shoots, he shot 37%. So as much as we're talking about him as a shooter and people think he can really let it fly, you know, he's 8 of 17. Okay, then you got Sabonis. Sabonis is 6'10". He's got no reach. I'm just being negative for the sake of negative, but I think this is important to kind of walk through. You've got Sabonis, who's 6'10", and he's got uh, limited reach, so he's not going to be able to play 7. He's not athletic enough to get out and switch on 4s defensively regularly. It's a real question of how you're going to play him defensively. He's not his dad as a passer. He's a nice player. He's got great angles. His motor's incredible. There's reasons why every single single one of these guys is draftable at 12 there's also reasons why what i'm trying to say is that there's you you can have real hesitation on a lot of them ante zizic i don't know a lot thon maker we don't know his age we is his experience though okay then you get to the wings and you get to denzel valentine who's a beautiful passer he knows exactly how to play he's 23 years old i i really question where he's going to be able to defend like who who is he going to be able to defend um, I like him more as the time goes on because, frankly, I can very fundamentally put him into a position, know what he's going to do on right circumstances. I think he'll be able to close games. And and so you can look at him and when all these other guys I'm looking at and I'm saying, I, I don't I, – I, I can't – I don't know where to put him. I don't know what they can do. I don't know if they have this skill. I don't. Okay, I got everything that Valentine is and isn't. I don't have any doubt of him. It's what you get by him being older. Uh, I don't think there's a great upside. That's a little concerning. I do wonder if he's going to be able to defend it all. Uh, he shot well this year. He didn't shoot well before, uh, which is concerning. There, there's, you know, right? So if we're being, uh, I, I, I don't think he'll bust, but at times I watched him and wondered if he was Kendall Marshall, which then he's not surviving. Um, I think he's better than that because he's a passer and he's bigger, but frankly, uh, you know, I think he's a backup one who can play and close games for you as a, as a wing player in the right matchups if you can have it. All right, Furkan Korkmaz, I've talked about the great release. He's also incredibly weak. No one's sure whether he can defend. His contract's a little bit of an issue. He might be two years out. That he's to play the Dario Sar game. Wade Baldwin's the guy I probably like the most of anyone we've talked about here. And you've got some questions on him off the court, or not off the court, but in the locker room, personality issues. He's really, frankly, not a very good shooter, though. Uh, as much as I like his downhill and I get excited about him playing in space, here's a guy who uh, did not shoot uh, particularly well last year. Uh, he's, his pull-up game is, is, is uncomfortable at best. His three-point shooting game uh, might be okay, but probably could improve and likely would improve. He's only got two years in the league. Um, and, and his interaction with his team, his understanding of his role, I think is a real question. Like, he didn't do that well last year. You've got to interview him, sit down with him, and understand uh, whether or not uh, he's going to be a guy who, you know, I don't think he's a bad guy. He comes from a very interesting family um, and in any way, but I think he didn't deal with being a leader very well last year. You ask him to be a leader. Is he capable of being a player? Is he capable of playing in a lower usage rate? Um, 
those are those are real question marks. And again, these guys all have question marks because of the fact that that's why they're going twelve. But you know, uh, spot up shooting by Baldwin's thirty three percent. Pick and roll ball handler shooting is thirty two percent. Isolation is thirty eight percent. I mean, those are just numbers. None of those are wow numbers. You know, I can get excited about the fact he's going to have more space. But if he shoots thirty eight percent on jumpers, uh, he's really actually very similar to kind of where Russell Westbrook was coming out. But I don't think he's Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's a fair number to go, you know, that's what he wants to talk about. Um, his catch and shoot when unguarded is a 63% effective field goal percentage, so that's not bad, but his jump shot's off the bounce, 26 of 76. Uh, Malachi Richardson, uh, the athleticism's incredible, the body's amazing. I think he shot below 40% on twos. Go find the guys who shot below 40% on twos. DeJounte Murray uh, is just this incredible body and player, and I've got a uh, and in the upside, he doesn't know how to play. You got to make sure that you got everything aligned off the court with him, and make sure that he's he's all clear. Uh, and so you. Ju- and then the last is Malik Beasley, Beasley, who I probably need to do some more work on. Um, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm just being. This is kind of where I left last night. I'm looking at all these guys. I begin to watch all of them. No, I don't have my Trey Lyles this year. I don't. I'm, I don't have the guy I love. Uh, if Deontay Davis shows some things in a workout today that I haven't seen before, I might suddenly decide that. He's the guy, uh, but it, it's it's as we get to this point, it's certainly interesting to kind of have this feeling, uh, which I bet if we went back and looked at, I'd have every year. But I just kind of want to walk through negative, definitely with intention of negativity today. Um, not because I'm just bitter that I'm not at my daughter's golf tournament, uh, to show you that there, there's just these guys. Now, Pirtle's the one who I didn't really dig into enough. I probably got to watch him more. You know, the one problem I have with Pirtle, and I bet you some Ute fans might disagree with me on this, is the few times I've watched Pirtle against NBA players, so against Sabonis uh, would be a good example. I, I'm not sure he was the better player. You know, it's the same thing I feel like when watching Michigan State with Valentine, it's so hard to go find games where Michigan State actually played pro players. The one thing on Davis that's nice is he's actually going up against a few pro players. They played Providence, they played Louisville, they played Kansas, uh, they played Maryland, and those are all have pro players at similar positions to him, and so you can look at that. You know, with with Pirtle, the one thing I the the numbers jump out to me as and he's as eleven legit seven feet and I think hey if Pirtle's on the board at twelve the Jazz have probably got to grab him uh, I think that's the right the right guy now the one thing that worries me a little bit on Pirtle or actually that doesn't worry me is how good he was on the pick and roll as a pick and roll guy he's really really good um, and that I think is exciting now can he stretch at all I don't know. They just didn't use him like that. And so is he just a is he Jonas Valanciunas kind of player? Is that what he is? And maybe that's fine if he can he can do that. I mean, he took uh, you know a grand total of like four jump shots the entire season. Um, he didn't show much of any isolation uh, offensive moves. They ran the ball through him, and he touched the ball a lot, and he seems comfortable with that. He didn't wow me, but I haven't dug in on him. Um, probably should. Uh, it doesn't feel like he's going to get there, but there is the scenario. The scenario right now on the draft is coming down to what is Toronto, not Milwaukee, uh, 9, 10, 11 in the draft going to be. And that, that I think, is the, the question that I don't think any of us know is, is who does Toronto – Toronto may – Scalabossier is, 
is probably the shoot the moon prospect at that point. Maybe it's it's too hard for them not to take him uh, at nine. Ellison is a stretch four. Uh, maybe it's too hard for them not to take him at that point. Uh, and so Pirtle, kind of with they since they have Valanciunas, gets lost. Milwaukee has John Henson. Uh, they really need shooting badly. Corkmaz is the best shooter. I don't know if they know they can get him over or not, uh, and whether he'll come. And then Orlando's sitting at 11, and I don't know if Labossier's already gone 10 or if Allison's gone 9, they maybe go Labossier, and then and then Jakob Pertl is on the board. And that that gets hard. Now you're making a decision probably between Pertl and Davis. And on the wings, unless there's someone that has wowed the Jazz that I don't know about, you know, you're probably making a decision uh, between Valentine, Baldwin, Murray, uh, and Murray's, uh, you know, just whether he's who he is and whether he's, you know, together enough to, to, to believe that you want to invest seven years into him or whatever it is. And, and now you suddenly, that's where you are. And if it's, and then maybe you're just in a simple decision of Pirtle or Davis at that point. Uh, or Sabonis. All right, that is your tip-off story of the day. Uh, just kind of, I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe that wasn't the best. Uh, game six is tonight. Uh, here's the thing that's interesting. Uh, no Bogut matters. You know, uh, he, he might not – someone's got to still play those 15 minutes, and, and their other bigs have not been good. And they, the Cavaliers may have figured out that they cannot corral LeBron or Kyrie Irving on drives. And this goes back to the NBA scout talking about the fact that you have got to have Kyrie Irving being Batman instead of Robin. And maybe that's exactly what we're going to see is that Kyrie comes off these pick and rolls, makes Steph defend and Kyrie uh, or Clay Thompson defend and pick and roll and see if the big is able to bring it to him. Now watch early how often Draymond Green gets on Kyrie and if he disrupts the game because that's the difference between what they had uh, with Kyrie the game before not having Draymond. Uh, the other one I think is important with LeBron and the jump shot is LeBron has only played 20 games since April 11th. April 11th, that's 60 days plus. And maybe he's just healthy. And that makes an enormous difference in what's going on. Uh, tip of the hat to Craig Sager, to Doris Burke, and the ABC crew also for kind of obviously facilitating that. So that'll be really cool to see Craig uh, tonight. That is Locked on Jazz today. No trade because I uh, wasn't, didn't think I was doing a podcast. So hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in, uh, and thanks for, for all of your support. If you'd like to advertise on Locked on Jazz or Locked on NBA, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Thank you very much.